am I? In the village. What do you want? Information. Whose side are you on? That would be telling. We want information. 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 You won't get it. By hook or by crook, we will. Who are you? The new number two. Who is number one? You are number six. I am not a number. I am a free man. <laughs> Cool man. All right. Why should I just do that? I'll do like a, a welcome to Shots and Giants. All right. Welcome to Shots and Giants. Amazing. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, I was speechless there for a minute, just seeing how how far that would go. Um, yes. Yes, indeed. Welcome to us all. Uh, hello. <laughs> Who are you then? I'm Jimmy. I'm Jimmy. Hello, Jimmy. I am Sheppy. <laughs> that's the first time that's a different introduction to usual. I don't I usually like say that. hello to you specifically. So it that's it nice. feels like a sort of a kid's podcast, maybe, or something. Yeah, oh, that's, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's beautiful. Um, so, all right, Jimmy. Yes, you're right. This is a podcast. It's called Shoulders of Giants. You are indeed Jimmy. I am indeed Sheppy. And usually, Jimmy, this podcast is about alternative what-if sequels and prequels and things. But today, Jimmy, we're going to do something a little bit different. And it's kind of a long game situation. And this will be the first part of a series that will be um, added to as we go along. And maybe when we finish, it will all be stitched together into one big thing. We'll see. I don't know, Jimmy. This is new for both of us. But... Uh, I thought it might be quite nice just to do. The closest we've come to doing something like this is when we did The Incredible Hulk, and I asked you to watch like three or four episodes, which you did, and then we discussed that, and then we did our pitches. But for this, I thought, well, we're going to do The Prisoner, and it's a very interesting show, and it intrigues me that I don't think you've ever seen it. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. No. Before no. now. Right. So just to do your initial thoughts... And then watch enough of them to think, you know, perhaps what would be your idea for a pitch for an episode or a feature length, like massive episode or a climax. And how would you see it ending? And then theoretically for you to watch the last episode after you've done all your pitches and then discuss that. Um, I thought that would be a nice kind of piece for us to sort of jump into. Uh, so I'm very excited to get to that today, Jimmy. Yeah, I, I'm grateful for you, to you for setting it, Shep. It gives me the chance to finally watch it, the excuse to finally watch it. And what a treat it was to watch episode one, Sheppy. Before, I, we, we might do a little quick, quick catch up on what we've watched recently in a minute, but yes. just the way of tease on my yes. view of The Prisoner, I'll say to you, I've put four things. It's The Good Place meets The Wicker Man, meets For Your Eyes Only, meets Twin Peaks. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> That's, what I think That's great. Been. <laughs> and you're not bloody wrong um and yes yes wonderful and just the first episode alone has a hell of a cast and that sort of caliber only continues eddington but nonetheless oh, yes ready. well no no well you that's just the, the tip of the of the iceberg jimmy but um so right well that's tantalizing and i'm very excited before that, though, we haven't, you and I, chatted for a while because you've been off gallivanting, having adventures across the globe, and now you're back home in Oz. So that's why we're, we're doing this as a sort of like a little extra special bubbly sort of poddy type thing. Not really a bubble, though, is it? It's a new thing. It's a chapter. Anyway, because of that, it's just nice to have a catch up before we get to the meat of it all. Um it's all, I mean, just to date this, we've just had Halloween. It's autumn in England. It's autumn in Poland. 
I don't know what it's like in Australia. I can only assume it's hot. It's but just the Steve Martin weather map of LA. Really it's still is. just 2020, 2020, 2020, 2020. Yes. That's great. Oh, well, I'm a big fan of that as well. Nonetheless, <laughs> I've seen some horror films recently. I saw The Werewolves Within, or just Werewolves Within, which is relatively recent, with the bloke from Ted Lasso, who's the nasty billionaire African man, Ooh, who's also yeah. in V, like amongst other things. And that was okay. I, it's based on a computer game, and I don't know anything about the computer game. But it was funny, and it was good. It wasn't brill, but I liked it just fine. So <laughs> I saw that. I saw the Halloween Ends, the third part of the most recent trilogy, and direct sequel to the first film um and i'm the first of these this trilogy was fine the second one was fine the third one really really sucked so mm. that's a shame for that that's how it went and that's officially the last time jamie lee curtis will will do anything like that which is a shame but there you go that out of all of them out of freddy out of jason um out of chucky out of all uh, out of hellraiser out of all of them, um, this is actually sacrilege and this will get me in trouble, but Michael Myers is, has always been my least favourite and the Halloween as a series of films has always been my least favourite. Um, any year. I'm, so I've always been Team Freddy and second, I'll go with Jason because he kills people in more interesting ways than, uh, than Michael who usually just stabs you up, which is fine. He does stamp on you occasionally. But anyway, that's my my two cents worth. Does he become increasingly more like a, a superhero, Shepard, like you that can't be killed? Is that one of the problems? In like? fairness, I mean, that's what he's always been. I mean, yeah. well, that's not true. But yes, essentially, they're all the same. I mean, well, Jason and, um, and Michael Myers are essentially the same in that they're huge, hulking, silent, slow-walking shufflers who lurk and then jump out, pick you up, and then pin you to a tree through the branch, you know, coming out of your chest. And that's your basic template for both of those two. So there's not much in the terms of variety and you hope for like a, a, an inventive death at least, but it's not always the way. So yes, yes, Jimmy, yes. It's a shame. <laughs> um, but so anyway, so we saw that. Oh, also I mentioned this before, but I think we cut it from a previous one for time saw a nice double bill similar to when I uh, we did here Ghost in the Darkness and Beast which is a lion double and in the past we've done uh, shark films, Jaws films, alligator crocodile films, piranha films, these whole seasons so recently we did the double bill, we did a bear double season and not even connected to the TV show we've just finished, The Bear, but we watched Cocaine Bear and in the same evening we, we watched The Edge and both of them were great for different reasons. And actually, in retrospect, it was very much a Barbie-Oppenheimer comparison, starting with Cocaine Bear um, and then going into Oppenheimer. Maybe, you know, you could start with um, Barbie and then go into you know, Oppenheimer. So that would work. So anyway, we watched Cocaine Bear, which was very fun and silly, and then The Edge, which is a bit more somber, but I've always really liked it. So that's nice. I need to see the edge for sure, and I need to see Coco Bear. It was on. It was on in a few airplane TV screens. I try not to ruin it, but I was catching little snippets that looked yeah. amazing and really fun. Like, it's good uh, fun yeah. for sure, definitely. <laughs> yes. Um, so that's nice. Also, um, we're halfway through season two of Open All Hours, which is just nice. We we do it very every now and again, very sparingly, but we're slowly working our way through, and it's it's good. Uh, just nice. Uh, also, toward approaching the end of season eight of Cheers, which any long -term, time term listeners might know, I've been watching Cheers with Marta for years at this point, and sort of steadily, steadily, steadily. And so now we've almost finished season eight, which Jimmy is so interesting because this is the season, this is the era that I remember the most clearly from watching quote unquote live in 1990. Park Mead, early Cleveland's talking with it about you know in, with you in the playground about these specific episodes. I remember these episodes that I haven't seen since Friday night, Channel Four, nine o'clock, Crispin Wheaties, Zoot, that sort of viewing experience. I haven't seen these episodes since then, and 
I remember some of them more clearly than things that I saw five years ago. It's very interesting how that works. Some really clearly, and it's definitely my era, therefore it's Rebecca, it's everyone is in place, everyone looks how I remember them. Like watching season one of Cheers is great, but it's weird, no one looks right, um, especially Sam. And so, yeah, but now they all look as I, this was when I was watching it uh, the first time around. So that's been really enjoyable. That's so cool. <laughs> and for any Last Boy Scout podcast listeners out there, Bill Medley was just in an episode of Cheers um, the other day. So it all worked out absolutely perfectly. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how the energy of the world comes around like that, isn't it? Like, yeah. It's like buying a new car and you start to see that car everywhere. But then this is so <laughs> mad when that stuff happens. Yeah, yeah now I'm just seeing Bill Medley wherever I look. It's hardcore. <laughs> Um, oh, and one other quick thing I'll mention is, and this we did this a while ago, but um, we did the front page quadrilogy. So we did the original front page film from the early 30s, and then we did His Girl Friday, which is the remake where they switch the gender of the reporter to female, and she becomes the Lois Lane archetype in His Girl Friday, uh, which was, I think, 38. And then in, I think, 74, Billy Wilder did a remake of the front page with Lemon and Mathau and I and saw that for the first time and I was thinking it would be set in a 70s newsroom and I was actually a little bit disappointed to find out that it was set period you know in the 20s when it's set and I was like oh okay um, but it's good makes some interesting nice changes it's great to see you know one of the many Walter and Jack films. So that was, and then we finished with switching channels. And I've always loved switching channels, and I've always, but I did naturally, perhaps pompously, I don't know, um, suppose that switching channels was going to be easily the weakest out of the three. They're all four of them are very good, uh, and they have different strengths and weaknesses. Um, they're all really good, but switching channels is legit ace. Um, I was right all these years, as Dr. Hans Zarkov famously said, uh, <laughs> go switching channels, team switching channels. So it's really good. Um, and, and everyone in it is excellent. Reeves is absolutely fantastic. Uh, so yes, that's so that's amazing. the other thing that we've done relatively that. recently. It's I always think of him in his elevator having a meltdown. Yes, yeah. yes. He's, his is the only iteration of that character, the bride to be or the groom to be depending on the gender of the reporter but the, the his the reeds is the um only version who is actually quite deplorable and uh, not a victim not a bill pullman in sleepless in seattle for example so um you know but, but so yeah because ralph bellamy is um that character for in um his girl friday and he's really nice um, and, and yeah, anyway, so that's all lovely. Front page, I had never seen before, the original, original, um, and that was really good. And I was actually surprised how much of his Girl Friday was shot for shot, line for line, beat for beat. Um, so that was interesting. But they're both great. They're all great. So hooray for all of that. That's so yes. cool, man. Love it. I, I'm really getting, I mean, that's one of the things for me, Sheppy. I'll try and like, when I'm on these long hauls, I will try and do like a classic I should have seen, and then a uh, you know a contemporary I should have seen as well. If you know what I mean, I'll yeah. Get you've you've been very good at that. The, yeah. the Sunday morning film watching. <laughs> yes. uh, you've been very good at that. Like things that I should have seen or things that I want to see that I haven't got around to seeing. So that's great. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So with that in mind. Um, being there you yeah, saw on the plane right and that was the yeah. first time you had seen that yeah man i loved it i really loved it i thought it was very special actually i was i'd heard it was going to be good and i think the final nail weirdly was i think i heard someone like daniel radcliffe harry potter saying his favorite movie was being there i thought well i mean i thought that i i do everything daniel radcliffe does most things you know but not everything. <laughs> But I think I'm just like, oh, I mean, there's got to be something about this. So, I uh, yeah, it was such a treat, Chef. Such a treat. Like, you've seen nice. it, obviously, right? Or, yes, I have, but not for a while. But yes, no, I have seen this and I like it. Sure Interestingly, so good in it, man. He's amazing. Yes. It's a shame that it didn't launch like the next 
you know, Michael Caine post Cider House Rules esque era of his career. Um, yeah, totally. Um, interestingly enough, my brother uh, relatively recently saw being there as well, and he liked it, I believe. But also, he very much disliked the director's choice of having blooper, uh, a blooper reel in the end credits, which Peter Sellers was famous for. And Peter Sellers was very much against it because he wanted this film to be different to the, the, the wacky capers he had been doing. Um, and I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, but you agree that with completely Sellers and my agree. brother? I completely agree. I will say that that made me laugh, though. It's a good blooper because it's a proper... It's it is the moment they blooper where he's sort of imparting this uh, you know gang members advice to a straight laced doctor is funny. It's objectively funny and it's ripe for some Will Ferrell esque lots of different mm. variations of what you could say in that situation. But it should exist in YouTube, like yeah. not at the end of the movie, like you know where you've got this lovely vibe of you know. I won't spoil the very last shot because it's lovely and it gives you a little shiver when it happens. But mm. you know, you've got this lovely vibe, and you know, you don't, you it does sort of ruin that a little bit. And yeah, I, I agree with you, bro, completely. Yeah. Completely. <laughs> there you go. There you so, go. Good stuff. I the guy, nice, and nice, I should nice. have known this and jotted it down. But the gentleman who played, who won best supporting actor, who plays the old man who's mm. passing away, you know, um, it's fantastic as well. And his chemistry with Sellers was amazing, and just and Shirley MacLaine. I mean, that that's it as well. So it ended up being for me a bit of a Shirley MacLaine double bill, Sheppy. I was watching, I watched uh, being there, and then I also watched on the way out the apartment, which I'd never seen before. Brilliant. And I'm now a little bit in love with Shirley MacLaine. It's fair to say, right? She's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do ever really appreciated her properly. She's just that's she's great. Lovely. Oh, yeah. well, that's wonderful. And you know, yeah, we watched The Apartment when we were doing Sabrina and all of that. Um, so so that's still relatively fresh in my mind. And that's great. Dark. Dark as F. Absolutely. Yeah. But really good and real. Yeah. I love how they don't necessarily, I mean, they end up together in a better commas, but they don't, it doesn't quite land the plane like they would now. You no. know. And I thought it was really lovely and I love their dynamic and it's great. Lemon's great in it as well, isn't he? Yes. Really, really. Yes. I really believe really. that character. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, they originally wanted Lemon to play the main character in the Death Wish movie, the original wow. from the 70s. Um, and then the studio were like, no, get Charles Bronson. And they made it that way. But Charles Bronson was an action hero who shot people, and to have Jack Lemmon and with you know with a different director, God bless Michael Winner, but get like a good director and do a version of Death Wish, but with Jack Lemmon in the seventies as this average guy pushed over the edge and that, that'd be amazing. Uh, so what a shame. And then interestingly, Joe Carnahan was doing this a new version of Death Wish, like in two thousand and seven or something, and he wanted someone unassuming and then the studio pushed Bruce Willis on him and he was like, it's Charles Bronson all over again. So he quit. <laughs> so, so there you go. Uh, yeah. And the history repeating forever and ever, but good old Jack Lemon, ultimately, I think he would have made an excellent uh, David or Bruce Banner if they'd made a Hulk film Ooh, in the sixties. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. That too. Yeah. I loved him. I loved that. I thought it was a treat. Absolute treat. I saw two other ships that I thought were worthy of note today. So Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Have you seen that right. one? Yet? Or like, Is that the um, second one? Yeah. It's so good. I have not. It's so good. Like, it's long. Um, but it was like, I, 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 I'm going to watch it again on a big screen because like, it's got the full pounding soundtrack. The animation's awesome. Whip smart. Lots of good quips. And it gets, it, it, it gets into your bloodstream a wee bit it's good man if they can land the plane i think they're planning a trilogy that could be one for the ages that's all i'll say there but yeah i loved it that's nice and then um the other one was after Sun. have you heard of that one the um i wrote this down actually to make sure i say the title again i might have actually, missed you. two more but yeah after sun it's uh directed by charlotte wells right and it's basically got paul mescal in it um, as the, and he plays this dad of a young girl and they go on holiday together and it's very much a sort of a, a mood piece type thing, quite slow burn 
and um, and it's just it's just him and his daughter on a resort in Turkey, and he has. I won't say too much about it. I'll just say he has some form of PTSD going on or some form of depression. And it's really like at the beginning, I, I wanted to see it for a while because I heard all the reviews were great or whatever. And I'm watching it and I, I don't know, maybe I'm in the wrong zone on the plane or whatever, but I'm just, it's, it is incredibly indulgent. So I won't say self-indulgent, but it's indulgent and it's got long lingorious shots, all that stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to stick with it. it. Might be a bit of a slog, but I'm going to stick with it. And then there's just this moment in the last ten minutes where it does something that I've never seen before, which was so clever and so good that I suddenly found myself almost overwhelmed and a wee bit teary. And I'm like, oh. "Holy moly, that's so good!" And it, that's not a spoiler because it's not about guessing what happens. It's just what they how she does it i've never seen it so i can't wait for you to see it and i can just say it was just that that got me and i thought oh that's brilliant i've never seen it done like that before and you your movie language must be so good that what you've done with that shot has given me all the inference i need and and she never tells you anything it's just you've got to take it from that shot it's amazing i thought it was amazing yeah. So that, yeah, that's great. Well, that's tantalizing, and yes, wonderful. <laughs> so I guess that goes out to every listener um, out there. And yes, do that too. Get get on the winning team. Fantastic, <laughs> Jude. And the, the only I meant to say is, well, I watch Past Lives as well. I don't know if you've heard of that one too, but it's another sort right. of slower one. Um, and it's like a um, Celine song. I wrote that one down too to make sure I give the due credit. But just but yeah, it's a new one or uh, relatively new this year. And um, mm. it's a Korean movie, Korean-American movie about sort of um, a Forrest and Jenny type, you know, love, you know, friends mm. who kind of should be together who then get cast apart and then they reunite later. And it's it's really good as well. It does it does a lot with very little scenes. It's really cool. I enjoyed that too, man, a lot immensely. Mm. And the only other thing to say is on the way out, I really was trying to play a game uh, and, and try and stay awake as long as I could. So. I had White Lotus keyed up and I watched about six eps of the second season oh. and felt like I was staying on the resort, basically. <laughs> wow. Have you done any of that yet? Chris? No, no, I haven't. Oh, man. I can't wait no. to, to watch that too. It's second <laughs> season. I enjoyed the first season, but second season was even better. And it was That's really great. Fun. Really fun. <laughs> well, that's great. I'll I'll get to it at some point for sure. Did you finish the bear, or are you still watching that? You know, that's the next for me. These are the ones yes. I'm watching in silo from the misses, and uh, yes. the bear is next. I couldn't get it to download off my Disney app for some reason. Mm. It would have been conquered. Maybe well, it's that's just one of those other movies. So maybe I should be grateful, Sheppy. So <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Very nice then. Yes. No. Well, that's that's lovely. Jamie, absolutely great. I'm sure there are other things we can mention, but we should probably jump into a little TV program I like to call The Prisoner, uh, which is great. Um, you were aware of The Prisoner as a show, right? It's, um, but you had never seen it. Yeah. Is that just because it just never crossed your path or were you yeah, ever interested? Yeah, the path crossing. I, I've always been at a curio over it, absolutely. And I've always been aware of it. I can't remember a time where I wasn't aware of it. Mm. It was a firm favourite of Ian's, and um, mm. and he would talk about it as being a, a real, like you know, classic benchmark, trailblazer, game changer, whatever. Yes. <laughs> but when did you first watch it? Um. So my brother was into it, and my mother bought my brother a couple of VHSs of it. Um, and maybe he had taped like some episodes of Channel 4 as well. But she bought that for Christmas. And then I watched the first four or five episodes, I guess, um, of with him, I think, or certainly some of them with him and maybe some of them without, without him. Um, but then again, it was on Channel 4. So I did then. There were only 16 episodes ever made, which I always forget. It's so few. But we uh but then i saw so i I, fin I remember finishing it and it was all in like i'm gonna say the early 90s to mid 90s when i saw it probably i'm gonna say i, I it was probably earlier I was, I was probably like 13 maybe maybe i was even younger I, i'm gonna guess that i was about that that sort of age 
Um, so yes, and then I saw it again intermittently, various episodes, but never as like a run. Um, but I saw like you know, at university and then like after that and various people I knew were into it as well. People who like Lynch generally like The Prisoner, uh, which is fair enough. It does, of course, have that huge Twin Peaks vibe, which I'll get to actually. But also just in terms of watching it, I watched it as an entire series just after I got back from China and Marta and I watched it and we really spread it out again we did it very intermittently um so it took a while for us to do those 16 episodes but yeah so so it but it's nice so for to this purpose today tonight this evening we watched the very first episode again um which is like four years later for us so it was just nice again going back with sort of fresh eyes for, for both of us this time around so that was great um, so yes, yeah, so I've always really liked The Prisoner, and it's interesting, and I'm glad we we sort of are doing this. Did you know anything about the general plot or anything like that before going I, I in? I knew it would, the only things I've sort of ever known about it is that it's it was a wee bit, uh, you know, it it had its Lynchisms, you know, it was yeah. it was something it was a bit strange. I didn't realize how. I mean, I still was surprised by the white blobby thing, honestly, which is. Mm. Amazing. Uh, but the did you know that image because that's something that's a bit quite iconic the white blobby yeah, thing no, i didn't i didn't know oh, that. Or at least i'd never sort of even thought to think what it might represent right around, you know so so when in the first episode when it pops up out of the fountain and fucks up that cunt yeah. did it were you like what the fuck is yes. that white blobby thing that's it gave brilliant. me exactly what you need yeah it gave me exactly yeah. what you need that moment absolutely well, whilst we're talking about that first of all i should say it's official name it's rover um oh, so right? okay yes <laughs> and it is terrifying it shouldn't it's like doctor who you could say many things like doctor who especially 60s doctor who but the daleks is a good comparison it's just in that it's very basic out of necessity it's very basic but it works and it's scary and it shouldn't be scary and rover is a white blobby thing it's a big white bubble or a big balloon but not only is it horrendous when it like goes on top of you and your face goes through and you're it's, it's like horrible and smothering you but also just the sort of the, the idea of the, the fabric or the texture bouncing up against you and also the noise it makes is horrendous it's like something out of crawl yeah. So, so good for white blobby thing is what I'm saying. It's a terrifying. And McGowan wanted something that would just be kind of, it could go off the walls, it could go across the ceiling, it could do whatever the fuck, go across water, anything you like, like a white blobby thing. Genius in its simplicity. So, yes. So cool. Well, I, yeah, I uh, had a big WTF. And I, and I think um, you've, you've reassured me today, actually, Sheppy, already, but I was... One of the things that maybe urban myth or otherwise, I, I was under the impression it never had an ending, which might have been one of the reasons why I didn't visit it. But I mm. guess there is a conclusion of sorts. Yes, there is a 100 percent a conclusion. Cool. Yes, they he wrote the ending. That he, but the other thing is the episode is uh, credited to lots of different people in terms of the director and writers and stuff. One of the writers and producers of the show is David Tomlin who did many, many things, including Second Unit on Return of the Jedi, Last Crusade, lots of things. Great career, uh, really helped out Warwick Davis when he was 12 on Jedi and stuff. Uh, in any case, he co-wrote this, and I think he's very much the Mark Frost of this operation in that people always go McGowan, McGowan, rightfully so, but Tomlin is, is a stronger influence than people realize, but also, this episode the first episode many episodes are also credited to someone else who is, is just a pseudonym or it's just a, a fake name for um McGowan who did basically everything on the show and That's it was amazing. his baby yeah yeah oh, cool. and he would submit episodes with a pen name a fake name and so the crew wouldn't even know that he was the one who wrote it and they'd be saying to him like patrick what is this shit what idiot did you get to write it because i don't know it's a, it's a it's a young lad he's a good boy he's a good boy and all this it's it's amazing um <laughs> that's so cool yes patrick oh, yeah. mcgowan i think is great um i think he's a very very angry man and number six is one of the most angry characters in television or film history he's just constantly on the verge of exploding and sometimes he does explode it's brilliant uh, and he's just simmering and just furious uh, yeah. the whole time 
which makes me just very happy. So yes, and I like Patrick McGowan in everything he's in, um, and he's brilliant in this, of course. I can't wait for it too, Sheppy. I can't wait. But I've got some notes, by the way, as well. I don't know where, when you want to do that. Well, let's this. let's yeah, let's let's get to our notes. If if it's okay, I'll say my first little thing. Then yeah. I then I want your little thing, and then we can sort of go back and forth. Just that we touched on this before, but when the show came out in the late sixties, and it was a real cultural phenom, especially I mean in, in the UK at least. Um, not least because the mainstream public hadn't seen something like this before. I mean, you know, it was mainstream template with like spycraft and, and, and things like that. And like the number two room is very Dr. No and James Bond supervillain-esque. So it's got, it's very obviously from the success of Bond and, you know, and all the sort of spin-offs and rip-offs of Bond came out. This is riding that wave. So it has that template but it's mixed in with something altogether deeper and darker, brimming with questions, holding up a mirror to the audience and doing very clever things, playing on expectations and filmmaking, just like weird things to make you feel uneasy, weird cutting and sudden cutaways to weird close-ups for no reason. Very clever. Uh, comparisons rightfully have been made, of course, um, de two decades later with Twin Peaks, another mainstream like template, in this case, like a whodunit and soap opera, um, and template, but then mixed in with deeper, darker, weirder shit. But another Lynch comparison with Prisoner is definitely not just Peaks, but Blue Velvet. Again, the figurative and literal ideal of, in those cases of with Lynch, small town America and its values, and full of everything you want that society and its ideals to be, but the white picket fence and everything, the trimmed lawn on top of like a nesting bed of worms and secrets beneath. And the prisoner is exactly like that with English society, the elitism and the social structure and the snippy, uh, you know, and some people are genuinely really friendly, which is actually, again, wicker manny and slightly off-putting. But there's also, you know, uh, a venomous side and it's all wrapped up with like helpful butlins, hidey high tannoys and safety in the nameless anonymity and penny farthings and what that represents in terms of just the imagery of ye old England. And, and again, Doctor Who of that same era and the Avengers of that same era sort of playing into the kind of the, the creepy side of little village England, which I like. And one more thing about that, just the, about the elitism and so forth, it, it all ties in with sort of like number two, it's the old boy society with like um, Cambridge and Eton and, and Oxford and they're all like jolly good and, and all this sort of like special handshakes and shit, which you get a sense that num you know, number six was always dead against anyway, but probably did also come from that sort of, you know, upper school sort of education and snobbery and bullying bullying and so on and so that's sort of commentary on and again that's all mixed in with things that i like like the you know the cambridge 12 and the um george smiley of it all and 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 all that tinker taylor stuff and the circus it's all it's all good so it reminds me of that as well so i wanted to mention that just off the bat just to get that out of the way love it Shippy. that was wonderful man Wonderful. And that's absolutely the vibes I'm picking up off it, for sure. I love it. And uh, I, I'm so glad you said all that around the the, the anti-establishment, anti-Tonianism or whatever you want to call it. But like, there's something there, definitely. Like, just even the... I, I had some LOLs around that, like, genuine ones. Yeah. Like, the they're in the chopper, and it's like, oh, we've got an amateur dramatic society. And it's like, oh, jolly good, you know? And all this <laughs> yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, what one thing I, I just wanted to, I, I, I noticed actually one thing is kind of obvious when you think about it, but one thing is, and especially watching it for the first time, you you know, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not necessarily sure if like when number six is running around the village and interacting with the shopkeeper and, and just people on the street and so on, are they acting out parts for his benefit? And if number six runs away around the corner, if the camera stayed on them, would their mask drop and would they just sort of like look at the, each other knowingly? But it doesn't appear to be that way at all. And if he wasn't there, the same scenes and the same conversations would absolutely be happening. And it's not 
a fake society and these people are there whether or not how they're there who they were before they were there what what it all means is another thing entirely but the point ultimately is that it's not just being done for number six's benefit he's been dropped there but it there are there are double agents and charades and people he can't trust people are lying to him paul Eddington, for fuck's sake but the general population are just there whatever that means and i like that as well and they're kind of bemused by this guy he's like what's going on yeah yeah agreed and it's like how much have they if if it is if big if that they've given their information up without it needing to be extracted from them or whatever it is they're teasing at the moment uh, right. you know then have they then sort of assimilated so much that they don't you're right know, they've lost all of their previous identity and are just right they're just around. broken if yeah. it's therefore the obvious thing that, that yeah, it's a spy internment camp essentially and it's killing you of kindness and it's different cultures different nationalities and they're brainwashed and broken and just their brains are unraveled and then they're just left there to be these shells who are just in basic deep, deep post-traumatic stress and they're just broken people. That's very possible, very possible. Um, maybe some of them are broken in different ways and they want to be there. Maybe not, Maybe some of them weren't prisoners to begin with. Um, maybe some of them are like the old dude in Squid Game who's actually very, very powerful and high up, but he's like the postman or something. Maybe. That's not a spoiler, because that's not in it. But that's just, you know, just variations of who these people are. Because there are some people who obviously work for the organisation or whatever it is, who then get into the good old-fashioned Dilababu fist fight with number six, which happens most episodes, spoiler, but there's usually a fisty cuff at some point just for that reason. And that's nice, but then like, so you've got some goons, you've got the hired muscle, you've got the rover, you've got the number two. And you know what's so brilliant is that suddenly in this episode, in the first episode, number two, who is a real threat and so charismatic and so clearly intelligent, he's suddenly replaced by George Baker. And you're like, what the fuck? Who's equally just like old school and plummy and very similar. And it's like, oh, which seems to me now he, number six doesn't have uh, a target because he could chop off as many number two heads as he wants. Yeah. It's meaningless and it's not tangible. Um, none of it is tangible, uh, which again, which is such a clever idea to, to change the number two just randomly halfway through for no yeah. real reason given. Oh, I love that, Sheffy. I'd not really pulled that thread like that, and that's perfect, of course. That's, that's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's so cool. And I also just really like that when the dwarf butler is introduced, you don't have a shot being like, hey, look, it's a dwarf butler. There isn't a reveal. There isn't like a shot where he looks like he might be normal height and then the camera shifts and you go, oh no, he's little. It's just, he's there. And it's just like, I'm a butler and I'm little in it. And, and that's it. And that's again, nice. Cause there's a lot, which like I mentioned, crazy cuts, crazy editing, crazy inserts and angles and weird things to sort of emphasize his disjoint, disjointed, like what the fuck's going on type mindset. But then in something that would be surreal, like, you know, a, a, a dwarf butler, it's just presented like he's a butler and he's a dwarf. And that's in itself genius. It's the double flip. So I like that a lot. I'm, I'm very excited about this. I'm very excited to go on the journey with it, for sure. I can't, I can't, I'm, I'm sort of chomping at episode two, but we'll, we'll yeah, get to it, obviously. But <laughs> um yeah, well, I mean, Shep, should I give you a few bullets that I jotted? Please do. Point? So I'm loving the zippy swinging London when no one respects yellow lines. Everyone parts. Yeah. <laughs> that, that made me really happy. And also I've been thinking about it a lot, just even how he takes his ticket and goes under the barrier, but in his little motor, he doesn't even, he can go under the barrier without even dust. Yeah. It's pretty cute. Um, so that made me happy. Um, uh I, it's I nice to see the empty streets of London in the 60s. Yeah, Absolutely. And Buckingham Palace looking a bit shinier. Yes. And, um, and his home, um, where he supposedly lives, is very close to Victoria Station as well. Oh, nice. 
<laughs> I don't really know yes. what that's going to mm. be. Yeah, no. um, I think um, it's really this this nice stuff where he does instinctual sort of secret service you know, agent things where it's like, you know, he's on the phone and they say, is your number six? And you see his eyebrow Lamparo and he goes, yes. yes. You know, and it's just, I just like, I like instincts in these days, like when people are yeah. sort of playing the cards. Um, the sound design is amazing. Like just the clip clop of the feet and the scuffling through corridors. Mm. And like you said, the the white blob, what's the white blob called again? Roger. Rover. 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 Like a dog. <laughs> Yeah, Roger is less scary, to be fair. Rover's nah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, all of it is really cool and unsettling. Um, I just I'd put down that we've got amateur theatricals. Fascinating. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and it's just all this sort of moonraker-esque civility, which I've always loved, yes. you know that. And so that really made me happy. Uh, <laughs> I just put Rover's terrifying. Um I, I love how he sort of tiptoes around it to get to the helicopter and even just that is telling you what it is you know and how terrifying it is yeah <laughs> i don't know how i can say this to you and not kind of you, you lose a little bit of um you know faith in me as a, as a man and a human being but you remember passenger 57 and the whole you know um Who's who's in charge of this plane? The guy goes me and gets shot, and then he goes, "Who's in charge of this plane?" And you you always used to say, "Well, you probably say, well, you just shot him, so technically it's me." And then get shot yourself. Um, <laughs> yes, but, uh, it would still happen. It still would. Yeah. Um, the uh, there's some passenger fifty seven here for me, which is to say, I like to think if I was put in this situation uh, and I woke up on a crazy island, I would be running around like number six, trying to get to the bottom of it, relentlessly pursuing any avenue to get off it and understand mm. what's happening. When really, to be honest, probably Jimmy's going to be, you know, eating the eggs first and maybe having <laughs> time with the cleaner that's been given to me and enjoying the concert and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> and he, he has two eggs like me uh, and, and yeah. the bacon. I mean, I'd probably ask for them to do the bacon a bit more, but yeah, it looks great. It was soggy bacon, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Quite. a little bit. This before yeah, crispy bacon was invented, Sheppy, I think. <laughs> and, um... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I would definitely be enjoying the mod cards for a couple of days before I before I got researching. Um, but, and then I would just put like it's Bond esque, but he's not Bond. Like mm. that just that moment where he's playing chess with the guy, and um and the the guy's saying, you know, your mate, your, your mind's not on the game, mate, and he's kind of checking out the chopper and all this sort of stuff. Mm. Where you know Roger Moore's Bond would have been like. Checking out the mm. chopper and then standing up, buttoning his suit, and just going checkmate, old boy. At the end, like yeah, his mind as he walks away and the chopper. You know, I just thought yeah. it was nice, um, nice fallibility there. And um, and then just I just put pure pure for your eyes only with the chopper when it gets uh, out of his control. Yes. So that was nice. Yes, and it's the same joystick. It's exactly the same joystick that's moving by itself as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's spot on actually. Good, good one. Yeah. Can I say um it's creepy going home, being gassed, waking up all bleary, looking out your window and seeing a different place. That in itself is creepy. Yeah. Um and they and they do that very well. Um, I like that it starts basically, you know, with quitting, going home, but you don't know anything. You put things together yourself and like okay but generally you don't know anything about his life which is great there's a theory that so prior to the prisoner patrick mcgurin made this tv show danger man where he plays a spy called john drake i believe and the photo at the beginning which goes into the filing cabinet saying resigned for mcgurin in the prisoner is a still from the tv show danger man now, that might just be because it was a handy photo that they had. And McGowan's like, whatever. Uh, or maybe it's saying it is John Drake. Um, either way, it could be John Drake, just like John Mason could be a version of Connery's Bond, you know, circuit Dr. Nose and stuff. So it could be. But McGowan never said, yes, it's John Drake. And actually, it doesn't matter who he is. He's, he is who we are presented with. But that's one little thing which is nice. And there was an episode of Danger Man, which um, the only episode I've seen, actually, which was shown on Prisoner Night on Channel 4, BBC Two, in presumably the 90s. And in this episode of Danger Man, he goes to this basic spy village, basically, um, you know, just for the episode. 
and that in itself is pretty cool and I like it and it reminds me of the end of the getaway the, the original novel um, there's a kind of a criminal community uh, which also I like that sort of concept so yes very tasty yeah I have to say the makeup of the village and the tweeness like you said and the cafe working and all that stuff was pure surprise to me I don't know that I never really I ever really thought through what the I what that what the the prison would look like you know what I mean on the island it's what, yes. what, you know I just never really sort of uh, followed that through but it was quite sort of striking that I wasn't expecting yes. that. so I'm really interested in like yeah, I, I just yeah where they're going to go with it all you know yeah. again there's elements of lost a little bit and there's elements of Dr. No again with the when they're captured on Dr. No's island and the really polite you know nurses and and stuff yeah. or you know and all that yeah it's it's the guilt uh, the gold lined um prison type thing and yes the the boundary is what why you can't escape and fucking rover is why you can't escape but there's no bars yes the concept is great and it's such an interesting looking village which is real of course and you could go to wales and visit it which is nice have you been did you go i haven't yeah. no i haven't well, but I would like to a, a SOG adventure one day. Oh my god, that would be cool! Um, yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, my god. Um, I like I like that quite a bit. Were there any other bullet points? I have a few more oh, things I can yet, mention. Shabby. No, I'm, I'm good, I'm letting it munge a wee bit. I'm 24 hours into my prisoner, yes. I'm just, yeah, letting it munge a little, but I'm looking forward. To I'll it. tell you um, one other comment that I uh, one thought I had was um, normally in things in most things whenever you it's, it's one of the little bugbears I have that sometimes you'll show someone watching something on a supposed security camera or something but it's like where is the camera in this scenario is like what's going on even in Star Trek you'll see like footage from like outside and I'll be watching it because like what so the Enterprise always has a little satellite like drone camera flying around it is that what you're saying none of it makes sense and that happens all the time in everything. But in The Prisoner, it finally makes sense because you know there are cameras fucking everywhere. Um, yeah. So so that's that's nice. So I wanted to mention that. Um, <laughs> and I, I like it. Um, and also, I, one other thing is, yeah, like you don't know, you, you have no clue who who is behind it and, and almost maybe that doesn't even matter either. Um, so that's nice. Correct me if I'm wrong, by the way, Jimmy, but at the beginning when he's there in the village and it all seems empty and he sees this guy up the bell tower and he runs up the bell tower and now the guy's that not there anymore. Do we ever see that guy again? Or is it just some no. random dude? It's not I number two. Or that twice. I was like, did that really happen? I was sort of like, right. yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't. Uh, it's kind of genius. It's not eddington and it's not number two i'm sure i'm sure it's just some random dude who we never see again i think um so i like that i like the opening like you say the footsteps and just like getting straight to it i really like that when he gets into his home he is packing his bag he's just resigned and he's all angry and he throws some massive like a4 photos of a tropical beach into his briefcase and i it works because as the audience you're going oh he's that's where he's going um and we're, we're told instantly he's getting the fuck out and he's going to some tropical paradise but logically you wouldn't be packing and then go oh, i better take those massive photos of where <laughs> i'm about to go to uh, it's genius um and i love that and i just wanted to mention it and i also <laughs> i like that when mcguin is then gassed he goes down and he wakes up and he's all blurry and then there's that one shot of him sitting up and he's like blurry as fuck and i always like his face there uh it makes me happy <laughs> So, so I like that. Um, and I think that that's everything that I, I wanted to mention. So I, it's, like it's a... I don't really have a relationship with, with McGowan, honestly, beyond like my, for me, the most famous thing for me was he was the, the guy in Braveheart, you know, he'd be yes. the king in Braveheart. And I just saw and a nasty man, a very nasty man. And um, yeah, so he, uh, yeah, I don't, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to get into his back catalogue as well as Shirley MacLaine's Sheppy. Yes, but, yes, uh, there you go. I, <laughs> I will say that Gibbo and McGowan got on very well when they made Braveheart, and there was talk a year or two after that that Gibbo was going to be in um, and maybe direct a big screen version of The Prisoner with oh, McGowan wow. as number two. So oh, which wow. would have worked, yeah, you know. 
Um, I'm sure it, you know, it would have been too Hollywood, but in theory, it could have worked. Yeah. So anyway, that that's that's nice. But you're right. Um, my first introduction, my first introduction. I don't know. One of my first was Babe, Secret of the Lost Legend, the dinosaur thing. <laughs> William Capps and Sean Young. He's the baddie in that, and he's also the baddie in Silver Bullet or the Bullet Train, the the one with uh, the first pairing of Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. Oh, amazing. Um, um, Silver Streak. Um, he McGowan's the baddie in that, and McGowan is also in the adaptation of Alistair McLean's Ice Station Zebra, um, and he's in he's in other stuff as well. But those are the ones that I know him from, and Braveheart, of course. Um, oh, and he's in some amazing episodes of Columbo, which he directed as well um, and wrote because <laughs> he's amazing. Uh, so good old McGowan. So yes, yeah, so those are the things I know him from. And I like him very much. Happy well, man. Onwards to episode two then, hey? Lovely, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Well, great. Great stuff, Jam. Um, so that's nice. So as an official sign-out, it's got to be, be seeing you all. <laughs> that's very good. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. You know, one other thing that you can just keep this in <laughs> or not, but... Um, <laughs> They say um, Walter Koenig is in Babylon 5. And I, when I was watching that originally in the 90s, and when he says goodbye to people, and he's a nasty character, which is nice because he played Chekhov on Star Trek, but here he's a nasty person. And he says, be seeing you. And he's like this fascist dude, space fascist. And he does be seeing you in the same sort of hand motion as the people in the village. And at the time, I thought, is that a coincidence? Is that referencing? But has this American person who's made this show a fan of The Prisoner? You know, is it popular in America? Um, but uh, no, it's clearly a reference. And the, the guy obviously clearly is referencing it and loves a bit of it. So that's nice. Oh, that's, 